beat the bullies, laugh in the face of danger, fight for truth. Going where no conservative has gone before, it's time for the Kelly Truth Squad with William J. Kelly. The Truth Squad's Week in Review begins right now. Welcome to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and it has been quite a week, let me tell you. Uh, there's been absolutely news, news, and more news. So, uh, so, we, so I notify the affiliates we're going to be definitely be going over this week. And uh, as always, we are honored to have the legendary Maureen o- O'Laughlin here in the studio uh, producing the show. Thank you for being here, Maureen. And Warner Todd. Houston. That's me. <laughs> there he is. And uh, hey, Warner, thank you for being here, brother. Always love it. Always love it, Bill. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot going on. And uh, so, you know, just I, I don't even know where to begin. That That's part of the problem. I mean, we, 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 we don't just read the news around here. We, sometimes we make the news. And, we, uh, we live it. Live it. And, and sometimes we even make it up. Uh, which is uh, which is when it, when it's really interesting, when it's really entertaining. But um, but the truth is that we don't even have to make news today. We don't have to make up news. Yeah. All we have to do is just actually report what's actually happening. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. It's crazy. No, you're right. You cannot make this stuff up. It's Shakespearean. It's um, the, you've got this uh, Bill Daly, the brother of Richard Daly, son of Richard J. Daly, the legendary boss mayor of the city of Chicago. Chicago, uh, the city that I was born and raised in, the city that I love. Um, but, uh, but the fact of the matter is that Bill Daly went to Washington, D.C. to be the chief of staff for the president with the idea that he was going to somehow represent the business community. And we found out this week that he is out. What, what are your thoughts on that, Warner? Oh, he's out. He's gone, <laughs> and apparently it became it was it, it came as a surprise to uh, our uh, commander in chief. Oh, uh, he was uh, he was surprised that this uh, uh, resignation letter came his way. Apparently, really, because uh, if you look at some of the things that have been going on there in D.C., uh, there were plans for him doing the, for Bill Daly doing this and doing that, and all of a sudden, mm-hmm. poof, all gone. Because really, <laughs> because now you know now uh, Obama has accepted resignation. But yeah, Bill, you're exactly. Right, he went there to represent the business interests, and obviously he has failed at that because, he, you know, he could not right. he could not push away the hard leftism of the Valerie Jarrett's and the Michelle Obamas sure. of the world out well, there. It DC. really surprises me that they that they wouldn't have gone to the center because that was the Bill Bill Clinton re-election strategy. Right, was right. Uh, you know to, he went to the center and he got re-elected. You would think that Obama, just for the sake of getting re-elected, would allow Bill. Daly to provide that cover for him, which, you know, the dailies provide that style of cover for 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 liberals on, on many occasions and um, and uh, and then get reelected and then go back to whatever the heck he was doing to begin with, you know, before. But but uh, but they couldn't even they couldn't even hold their nose and pretend that they like, uh, you know, capitalism or you know, middle class people long enough just uh, just to get reelected. That that uh, that strikes me as uh, that strikes me as as a very short sightedness. 
Well, exactly. And, and mm-hmm. But it does show the extreme ideological position that sure. Obama stands from, or right. comes from, rather, in, in Washington. He, he is not a compromiser. He is not somebody that's bringing us all together. He's got an extreme left-wing ideology, and nobody is going to push him away from that. Right. And, you know, I, I guess that, uh, you know, that's the kind of mentality that you want to have if you're – um, you know, maybe like an activist or, or a college professor or, or, uh, or, you know, something like that, you know. Or a but, community organizer. <laughs> but when you're president of the United States, you really, I think, you know, it takes a lot of effort, you know, to be sure, you know, psychic, you know, effort, spiritual effort, you know, emotional effort. But you have to really kind of look at all uh, the all sides of all the issues in order to really be a great statesman a great president and you're supposed to be representing mm-hmm. all the people not just your extremist wing right. of uh, of the ideological side of the right. aisle and, and this is something that obama is not doing he's not reaching across the aisle i, I think that that is you know the fact that bill daly was forced out as chief of staff might actually be the nail in the coffin of the obama administration and i'll tell you why because you know, I've been observing these political uh, election cycles uh, for for a few decades now. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I'm always optimistic for my candidate or my cause or my issue. But I have come to the realization that that it's possible that, despite the fact that I see, you know, uh, that you know, up is up and down is down, and you know, uh, you know, two plus two equals four. That that it's possible that. It might not be as obvious or apparent to other people. You know what I mean? And uh, but the fact that they that they that they would, wouldn't even tolerate the presence of Bill Daly, who's no, you know, I mean, it's not like he's some right wing extremist, okay? Right. You know, right. I mean, he's the Daly, uh, you know, Democrat machine family right there. The fact that they couldn't even tolerate him in the White House for more than what what was it, a couple of weeks? Uh, you know, just goes to show. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, my God, you know, they, they have, uh, you know, they probably, you know, they have people staying uh, longer in the Lincoln bedroom than, uh, than, <laughs> uh, than daily. I, I, I hope he didn't even unpack. I, I wonder if he even unpa- unpacked his suitcase, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, the fact that they couldn't even tolerate Bill Daly being in the White House for more than a couple of weeks, uh, it tells me that these, that, 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 uh, that the Obama administration is going to be in real, real trouble when it comes to, independents and moderates, people who are open-minded enough to say, whoa, wait a second, what, wait a, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, maybe we need to look at uh, an alternative candidate uh, that, uh, you know, as a, as a possible, and that's Are what, you backing Hillary? Is that what we're, <laughs> is that what we're thinking? <laughs> yeah, yeah the, that, that, and that's just the opening that Donald Trump needs, you know, <laughs> to jump in and, and, and sop up all of those voters, you know. But uh, and I'm sure that that's what they're thinking that they're going to do is, uh, is, is trick that gullible, uh, wide-eyed opt- uh, uh, idealist, uh, Donald Trump, into uh, running as a third-party candidate. But um, they'd love that. They would love that. Um, anyway, and, and, you know, that's that's right up uh, Axelrod's bag of tricks. Uh, David Axe to grind. Uh, well, remember, she, this was the same problem <clears throat> that uh, Mr. Emanuel had when he was chief of staff before he came our new de mayor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Before he uh, raised all that money yeah, for the mayor. Exactly. Sure. Uh, but he had the same problem that uh, that Bill Daly has had trying to uh, push Obama toward, you know, to try to help. 
push him toward the business interests and 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 heal this economy, but he's just not doing it. Well, let's uh, hear he what Bill Daly had to say himself. Cue, uh, hey, Maureen, cue that Bill Daly clip. Last week, my chief of staff, Bill Daly, uh, informed me that after spending time reflecting with his family over the holidays, he decided it was time to leave Washington and return to our beloved hometown of Chicago. Uh, obviously, this was not easy news to hear, uh, and I didn't accept Bill's decision right away. Uh, in fact, I asked him to take a couple of days to make sure that uh, he was sure about this. Uh, but in the end, the pull of the hometown we both love, uh, a city that's been synonymous with the Daly family for generations, uh, was too great. The old what? Yeah, the, the old. The old. <laughs> I'm going back with my family. Yeah. yeah. I, I, for a second there, I thought the president was going to slip up and say, "I told Bill to uh, take uh, one one last look around the office to make sure he didn't forget anything, and <laughs> and to uh, to uh, just uh, don't let the door hit you on the way out there, uh, Bill." And you know, uh, here's the thing: don't the, take our stapler. Yeah, there there was a <laughs> suggestion that Bill Daley was actually returning to Chicago to manage the Obama re-election campaign, which right. would have made sense to Daley loyalists who are still trying to believe that there is that uh, the Daley's and the Obamas are tight. But that what's the status of that rumor? Apparently, that's not true. Um, we've heard uh, we heard that rumor initially coming out of Fox News and uh, uh, some of the networks, but uh, it didn't take more than a couple of hours, uh, half a day at most, uh, till people began to say, "Oh no, he is not going to be the co-chair of uh, Obama re-election campaign." And uh, and then we are going to uh, obviously be joined by some national guests to uh, see what uh, to see what. Um uh, you know, to see what they have to say about this, because we might be just a little bit too close to the. Uh, uh, we might be a little bit too close to this issue. Oh, we have PJ. Ah, but we, you know what? We have to go to a break. So, if uh, PJ, if you could please hold the phone, uh, if you can hear me, uh, PJ O'Rourke, please uh, hold the line, and we will be back with more Truth Squad after this. Never fear, William J. Kelly is here. More with the Kelly Truth Squad. After this, this is William J. Kelly. Now that the U.S. Supreme Court has overturned the Chicago handgun ban, it's time to get ready. Chicagoans are now finally able to keep and bear arms to protect themselves and their families, and it's about time. All you have to do is complete a Chicago certification course at Illinois Gunworks, and that is the only place you need to go. It's easy, I just did it myself. Illinois Gunworks offers the Chicago Certification Course and a bunch of other training courses with the best experts in town. State certified instructors, the kind of people you want training you. You could spend the whole day at Illinois Gunworks. They carry most brands and can special order any kind you'd like. Just call Illinois Gunworks at 773-889-1114 or visit IllinoisGunworks.com. Illinois Gunworks is located at 7229 West Grand Avenue in Elmwood Park. Make Illinois Gunworks your first stop today. Now back to the Kelly Truth Squad on the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William J. Kelly, and uh, it, it is an honor and a privilege to be here. It's an honor, uh, really, and a privilege to be anywhere uh, when you consider the kind of week that I had. 
How about how are you doing, Warner? Well, we're all on the green side of the sod. Yes. So that's a good thing, right? Yes, indeed. So uh, I'll tell you, we, um, we've got a lot of news. We don't have to make any of it up this week because um, because there's uh, you couldn't make this stuff up. And why would you want to? It would just be, honestly. Depressing. Yeah, it would be depressing. I mean, you'd have to be some kind of a, 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 like a morbid a very very morbid person to make this kind of stuff up. If um, like a like a um, like an Edgar Allan Poe kind of guy, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> man, oh man! You know it's really weird how he he's uh, he's really acquired legendary status, Edgar Allan Poe, as uh, as a as a character of great, um, um, I guess you could say, literary uh, fame. I don't know if he ever made any money doing it because um, he died. Well, yeah, he, he he did make money <clears throat> doing it. He, oh, he really? didn't become a rich man by any by any means, but he was uh, he was a journalist by trade. Oh, is so, that right? Yeah, so he was making money, and uh, but uh, he. Uh, he died yet. That's weird because you really don't make any money being a journalist today. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you might end up drunk in the gutter. That now, is now, absolutely is that what sure. happened? Is that is that how he uh, Edgar Allan Poe actually met his uh, his uh, demise? I think he had uh, tuberculosis. Uh, oh, I think that's what what killed him. Wow. So uh, so uh, back in those days, alcohol caused tuberculosis. <laughs> well, they had no idea what caused that. <laughs> they didn't know. They didn't know what was what was going on with that. But uh, but you know enough of that because um, we have to move on. We can't we can't just talk about literary. Um, you know, as much uh, as we'd love to. as much as we would. Lo- I know that people are, are thinking, you know, they tune into the show because they want to hear about literary figures from the distant, you know, past right. that and, and the opera. Yeah. The, they, but, they love um, to hear us talking about that. So. <laughs> but uh, but I think that what people uh, but what what some people anyway, um, and, and we want to make sure that everybody who listens to the Truth Squad gets uh, gets to hear a little bit of what uh, whatever it is that they're they're interested in. Some people are interested in this uh, Republican primary for president. From that is I true. Understand. This whole crazy and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, and uh, you know this week, of course, Mitt Romney uh, really ran away with that uh, New Hampshire primary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I know that the media they like to try to create this idea that there's uh, that there's all this um, chaos and dissension and but uh, but I think the Republican primary voters spoke very uh, very lo- uh, loudly. That they that in New Hampshire that they want to see Mitt Romney as their nominee. Why? What are your thoughts on that, Warner? Well, I mean, uh, Mitt did very well there. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, they're saying he may do less well in South Carolina, which is coming up uh, mm-hmm. this week as well. Um, but uh, let's face it, uh, Mitt's Mitt's the man to beat. How about that? Um, well, um, we've got uh, well, we have someone on the line, and um, and we have uh, PJ O'Rourke actually holding. But uh, but if we could just get uh, fit, um, Maureen, if you could ask PJ to just hold a little bit longer, uh, because I want to go right now to uh, to a guy who has his finger on the pulse of uh, of of the politics in that in that geographical re- mm-hmm. region of America. See, I have my finger on the pulse of the uh, of the political. Uh, uh, right, right in the in the region of like um, of like um, like Michigan Avenue and uh, <laughs> and like Chicago. And a you whole know five I mean? block radius. Yeah, exactly. But but uh, <laughs> but we have somebody now who who has a who has an even larger uh, uh, area of expertise. His name is Skip Murphy, and I, I know you're probably thinking that that it sounds like a, uh, like the lead singer of a punk band or something. But um, but no, it's in not, his younger days. In his younger days, but uh, but he's actually the owner, the proprietor of of uh, the granitegrock.com. 
Um, hey, Skip, are you there? I am here. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Sort of a little depressed now that all the politics have left the state, but hey, we've been enduring this for the last year and a half to two years, and to some degree, I'm glad they're gone. <laughs> Welcome wow. to New Hampshire. Don't let the door swing as you leave. The <laughs> there you go. Well, um, we had a pretty, um, you know, so, I mean, last night, that was a, a pretty decisive victory for, uh, for Mitt Romney. Yeah, but, but it was long expected. He oh. is the former governor from the state next door, Massachusetts. He owns a fabulous house up here in the Lakes region of New Hampshire in the town of Wolfboro. Thank you, New Hampshire. Tonight we made history. This state has always been a very special place for, uh, for our family, and I have made a home here. We filled it with great memories of our children, our grandchildren. The Granite State moment we've just enjoyed is one we will always remember. And I have my five sons behind me and our daughters-in-law and grandkids somewhere around here. Where are they? They're right behind us. It's great to have family here. You know, tonight we celebrate. Tomorrow we go back to work. We, uh... We do remember when Barack Obama came to New Hampshire four years ago, he, uh, he promised to bring people together. He promised to change the broken system in Washington. He promised to improve our nation. Those were the days of lofty promises made by a hopeful candidate. Today we're faced with the disappointing record of a failed president. The last three years have held a lot of change, but they haven't offered much hope. The middle class has been crushed. Nearly 24 million of our fellow Americans are still out of work, struggling to find work or have stopped looking. The median income in America has dropped 10 percent in the last four years, and soldiers returning home from the front lines are waiting now in unemployment lines. Our debt's too high and opportunities are too few. And this president wakes up every morning, looks out across America, and is proud to announce it could be worse. It could be worse? That is not what it means to be an American. It could be worse. Of course not. What, what defines us as Americans is our unwavering conviction that we know it must be better and it will be better. And Skip has been a witness to history. Uh, right there in New Hampshire. Um, Skip? Now tell us what what are what are your thoughts? You know, it seems like we have some of these. Um, uh, it seems like I. It seems like we have uh, a number of candidates, uh, like you said, Huntsman. Now, wh where do you think he goes from here? He's going to have a hard time in South Carolina because he presented himself as a moderate. He's going to a very con socially conservative state, although some of his social views are more liberal. And he has had no time at all to build up the organization he actually needs. Instead of having the four to five months of campaigning <coughs> he has had here, he's going to have two weeks. So I have a feeling that unless his billionaire dad decides to pour tons of money into the airware, uh, air wars uh, through the, his uh, the Destiny Super PAC, uh, next next primary may be his swan song. I think it's also going to be the last for Rick Perry if he does not become credible. And credible means 
he's got to have a very second or third place strong. Right. Skip for a second there. It sounded like uh, you 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 said you. It sounded like uh, you said that uh, that uh, Huntsman's billionaire dad was going to pump uh, uh, something into his underwear, <laughs> and. Um, I, I wasn't quite sure where you were going with that, but um, but uh, as long as it's clean before <laughs> exactly. you know he leaves the house. There you go. Um, you know, there, there's nothing worse than these uh, these uh, sons of, of uh, you know of rich you know these uh, these you know the sons of these rich 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 uh, you know millionaires billionaires thinking that just because their dad's rich that that somehow gives them a uh, you know a right to uh, political power and uh, and uh, prestige. You know what I'm saying? Well, we're going to have to wait and see how it plays out. Certainly, he was very happy, and uh, frankly, he, he earned that third place, no doubt about it. But sure. You're right. I agree. The, the nice thing here in New Hampshire is that you do have to do the retail politics, and I think that's where Rick Santorum, for instance, fell down. He had spent about a year and a half here in state until about two months before Iowa and then left the state completely, huh. and a lot of what he had done kind of evaporated now. Eighty-three percent of Iowa folks self-declare as socially conservative. That's only about fifty percent here in New Hampshire. So do so. So it's a different electorate here. Sure. So it's a little bit different. And then uh, I think a, a, a number of the militant gays have taken umbrage here in New Hampshire on his stance on gay marriage, and they pursued him relentlessly during uh, the two weeks. Well, but period. don't don't they know that he's? I mean, he's straight, right? He is, and he's very <laughs> upfront about his faith and his moral stances. Well, then, why now? How? Well, then, well, how did these militant gays think that they had a chance with it's them? It's the sweater vests. Oh, they love those things. You know, it must be like are. one of these. Like, um, yeah, okay. You know what? I, I don't. I don't know where how they got. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not an expert in these things, but I, but I will say this: that uh, just going back to this Huntsman character for a second. Now, now, let me get this straight. He he worked uh, in the Obama administration. Am I right about that? He did. He was the ambassador to China. Okay, so now he does know that uh, Obama is a Democrat, right? That's correct. And he's running in a Republican primary to be president of the United States. Correct. Okay, see, now here's where I have a little bit of a problem, okay? And maybe I'm just one of these guys that takes things uh, too seriously or too literally, okay? But I think that if you are a Republican, if you want to be a Republican, especially if you want to be a leader of some kind of Republican uh, party or, 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 or uh, an issue or something like this, then you should uh, devote uh, your time to uh, working for and, and contributing to Republicans, um, whereas, uh, you know, I mean, like, you know, the, I think maybe that's a function of being the, the son of a, of a rich guy is that he just uh, he plays he, he doesn't seem to have any problem playing both sides of the fence or, you know, speaking uh, Mandarin or something. You well, know what I mean? He certainly wanted to show off his Chinese uh, bona fides by speaking in Chinese a couple of times during the debate. Are there a lot of China, are there a lot of uh, pri uh, Republican primary voters there in New Hampshire uh, that speak Mandarin? Um, maybe two. I think he was probably ordering some sweet and sour pork for <laughs> after the uh, debates. And, was. and you know what? And and, uh, and if that's the case, then more power to him. You know, because uh, because the the last thing you want to do is um, you know put in an order and get it wrong. And and I mean, <laughs> and if there if there was ever a good if there was a good reason to actually speak Mandarin, in my opinion, it would be to make sure that you don't screw up that uh, that late night dining. No uh, pork for you. Exactly right. 
But um, but you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I just have uh, I, I just have uh, you know this might be just my um, you know what I guess um, uh, my common sense uh, coming out here. But uh, you know, I, as a Republican, uh, you know myself, I, I have a, I have a little trouble understanding how someone who worked in the Obama administration would uh, would think that that was going to fly with any Republican primary voters. Mandarin well, or, 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 or speaking or otherwise. Well, when you took a look, I took a look at the exit polling uh, early this morning, and I have to do some write-ups on that. But of all the candidates that were running, the folks that were attracted to Huntsman the most were those from the middle. So his strategy actually paid off. Hmm. And uh, since this is an <clears throat> open primary state, he also got a number of Democrats voting for him in this primary, something that as a well, Republican... That, that, that really leads us to Ron Paul, too. I mean, didn't he get an awful lot of Democrats and, and liberals and uh, moderates uh, uh, and libertarians onto his uh, ticket there in New Hampshire, as opposed to regular, you know, down-the-line Republicans? Well, he did get some disaffected Democrats who have been unhappy with Obama for continuing to wage war after promising to end all the wars. So you get the anti-war peacenik branch of the Democrats crossing over. This is an open primary state, but there is a broad swath of libertarianism here in the state. And I always describe myself as a conservative with small l libertarian leanings. But a lot of the libertarians came out, and they came from all over to help out with the grassroots. And I will tell you, he probably had the second best ground game of all the candidates here in New Hampshire. They worked, they worked hard, and a lot of them worked very smart as well. But we're also hearing that there was some vote fraud in New Hampshire, aren't we? Uh, aren't we hearing that, uh, that that came out today? That came out today. In fact, I just put up a post. Uh, in fact, I know a couple of the people who were involved in that. Well, I'm not going to give out any names, but I certainly recognize the voices. Uh, James O'Keefe of Project Veritas, who came to fame with doing the undercover Medicaid sure. problems and the stings, and then with the teachers, and then with some other things as well, um, basically had some investigators walk up to the polling places during the first in the nation primary yesterday i am so and so and yep there you are here's the and you're at this address that's correct you are a registered democrat or republican that's correct here's the ballot would you like to see my id and every single time they were told well this is new hampshire it's not necessary and but is that by law? Is it not necessary by law? It is not necessary by law. Actually, they're not allowed to ask for ID. Um, in fact, I even tried it. I said, I, well, it kind of is not so much in my town because I'm on the election, uh, on the uh, budget committee, and the town clerk knows me intimately. Uh, well, by face, anyways. <laughs> and uh, she said, I don't need to see any ID. I wouldn't want to even see it. But in every single case, these folks from Project Veritas had given the names of dead people. Something you guys in Chicago might know a little bit about. Yeah. I know nothing! Nothing! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, basically, before they could take the ballot, they would say, well, I want to show you my idea. I'm going to go out to the car and get it, and I'll be back. And Of course, they never came back, but it showed how easy it could be to have voter fraud and that's something however that if they were in chicago in new hampshire for years but let's let's just be fair here if they were in chicago they would have a very difficult time buying a pack of cigarettes 
<laughs> or or getting spray paint or yeah <laughs> or drain but or um, but yeah, yeah I guess stealing an election that you know I mean I, I guess you you really just kind of have to to look at it you know relatively speaking stealing an election or or you know maybe purchasing a pack of cigarettes but the left claims there is no vote fraud you know they always say oh there's no vote fraud but there was a story that came out of uh, California just last week uh, a woman was at a at a, a bus stop and some guy came up and said hey do you want to sign this petition mm. which is to keep uh, sex offenders in jail longer and it turned out to be a voter registration form they were asking her to sign and they were going to take her name and her address and register it themselves mm. and then have them s- change the address uh-huh. and, and uh, steal her vote from her sure right shades of acorn all over again <laughs> you know I what say the magic void <laughs> <laughs> there you go um well you know let me just say, let me just tell you skip uh you know it's it really is uh it really is troubling um i you know i i try to joke around about it just to you know keep from crying but i i'm very worried about you know, voter fraud in in not only in Chicago but nationally. Now that we've got these Chicago politicians uh, running the show, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about that. If I if I could ask you to uh, hang on the line for uh, one more segment. Oh, absolutely. Thank you, Skip. If you need the latest news and opinion. Look no further than veteran political blogger Warner Todd Houston. You know him from his work on Red State, Breitbart.com, his local political blogs at Chicago Now and Publius Forum, and as the co-host of the Kelly True Squad every week. Now Warner Todd Houston has a new political blog you need to know for local political news in Chicago and Illinois at PrairieStateReporter.com. When you need news you can rely on without the dirty political spin, visit PrairieStateReporter.com now. The Kelly Truth Squad, only on the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and uh, and it's uh, great to uh, to have Skip with us. Skip Murphy from GraniteGrock.com. Skip, are you still there? I am. Hey, uh, thanks for uh, for hanging with us here. You know, uh, obviously now it's uh, on to uh, South Carolina. So uh, what uh, what do you see happening? Uh, you know, what, how do you see that uh, that um, you know that primary shaking out? Gosh, another prediction, and I was so bad <laughs> to hear for New Hampshire. But I think Romney will will probably still be either one or two. If he if he's number one, it's going to be by a much smaller separation from number two. I okay. think that the social conservatives are going to have a better shot at this. That would be uh, Rick Santorum. Uh, Ron Paul will certainly be in the mix, I think. Uh, and Rick Perry had better deliver, or even though he's still got uh, millions in the bank, uh, I think that he, his campaign will all but be over if he does not do really, really well. Warner, do you, I mean, what, what do you make of uh, Rick Perry's campaign so far? It's well, been very poor. Yeah. He, unfortunately, this has been a very strange cycle in that the retail politics has been disrupted uh, by all of the debates. And sure. Very ex- extraordinary. People thought that the social media and the internet wow. was going to be the disruptive technology this time around, even more so than last time. But it's been all the debates, and I think the perceptions create reality. I followed Rick Perry. In fact, here in New Hampshire, I followed most of these folks. I met most of these folks three or four or five times uh, or more. And I'll tell you, Rick 
Perry is decent on the stump. Actually, he's pretty good. He's more than decent. He's pretty good on the stump. Skip. And when he's behind that podium and he's delivering what he wants to and taking questions and mingling, he's really, really good. It's unfortunately uh, the fact that he's not done very well in the er- or he didn't do well in the early debates. It kind of set the perception. Oh, this really is another George Bush. Skip, you know what? You make an excellent point there. I I don't know if you... Uh, did you ever see the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Yeah. You know, they're one of my favorite scenes in that movie. I'm not saying it's the greatest movie in the history of the world, although, you know, uh, it's one of my favorites, okay? But uh, there's a scene there where Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid are trying to get a job uh, working security for some kind of payroll uh, uh, delivery service. Uh, do you know the scene I'm talking about? Yes. And uh, so, so the guy who's interviewing the Sundance Kid actually says, okay, I want you to stand right here, and I want you to hit this can. And uh, he puts a can, you know, like you know, 20 feet away, right? And the Sundance Kid says, uh, okay, and then, um, you know, and he starts moving. And the guy goes, no, 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 no. I want you to stand right here and hit this can. So the Sundance Kid says, you know, you want me to just stand here and shoot at the can? And the guy goes, yeah. And he says, and the Sundance Kid, you know, Robert Redford, he says, you know, usually I move around when I shoot. And the, this, you know, know-it-all guy uh, says, no, well, we don't, want, we, you know, we, don't, we don't want you to move around when you shoot. We just want you to stand right here. So, of course, the Sundance kid uh, pulls out his revolver and uh, shoots at the can, and he misses. And it's the first time, you know, the Butch, you know, Butch Cassidy, for example, ever saw the Sundance kid miss. You know what I mean? So he's shocked. And then uh, uh, and this uh, potential employer, you know, kind of shakes his head. And then he says, uh, and then Sundance kid says, um, can I move? And, uh, and the guy goes, sure, you can do whatever you want. Um, so, of course, once, when he's moving, then bang, 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 you know, he shoots the can and, uh, you, know, uh, uh, you know, 20 times he you know, shoots the, the guy's hat off his head. You know, he shoots, uh, uh, you know, he has no trouble, uh, you know, performing the way he normally performs. But um, so you make an excellent point that by putting Rick Perry in this ridiculous little uh, debate box, um, that you know the, that that uh, that that repetitive structure, you know that repetitive, you know repeti- repeatedly putting him in that situation that does not uh, serve him well has actually destroyed him as a as a as a potential candidate for president. W- what do you think, Skip? Uh, I I think that's true. Uh- to some degree, you have to be able to think well on your feet. You have to be well prepared. Sure. But we've all been in that situation where you've had the brain freeze, and it just happens. And we saw it with Herman Cain as well at one of the, one of the editorial boards he was at. Right. He was proved right after the editorial board said, "Well, your answer was wrong." No, he was right. And Rick Perry, I think, uh, you know, unfortunately got slammed for you know just not being as glib a speaker. Right. Most of the others were. But but your firsthand experience of Rick Perry was that when he was actually working a crowd and getting up uh, at his own event under his own circumstances, he could, uh, you know, he he was more than more than uh, equal to the task. That's correct. Wow. You know what? That that is. And you see, that's that's you see, Warner. Isn't that interesting? See, that's something that Skip saw because he was there, for, you know, whereas the rest of uh, America, all they saw was what the mainstream media just wanted to keep uh, 
Um, well, you know, we, and we've had this many times in the past. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nixon looked horrible on TV right. in in the '60 debate, uh, but in person, Nixon was a great campaigner. You know, yes, uh, I, I know people that were were in rooms with Nixon, and they said he was he was a great guy when you were just you know hanging around with him and talking to him. And the same thing with George W. Bush. He he came off as uh, as stilted on TV often, huh. uh, and but in person he was glib and and just you know a, a hail fellow well met. Right, right, right. And one of the things that I do as I go to these things, I don't go just as a political observer. I bring a, a video camera with me, and oftentimes I will live stream events as well. Sure. I put up the entire event. I don't do what TV does, which is put up 30 seconds. If an event lasts 15 minutes, you get 15 minutes of video. Sure. If it lasts four hours, you get all four hours. And I put uh, no punditry or commentary on the, the tape. It's straight, so people can go to Granite Rock put in their candidate's name that they want to find out more about, Yes, and it will pop up the video, and you can watch ah. it to heart's content, and I've got thousands of videos up. And Skip, you know, and I appreciate what you do. Um, you know, the the truth and, and the insight that you bring is really phenomenal. Um, here, you know, the, the truth is that a, a great politician, like a great performer, knows what his strengths and weaknesses are. And he knows how to play to it. Reagan, obviously, from years of giving speeches, years of, of being on camera, he knew how he could uh, work a crowd. Uh, Elvis, you know, I mean, you know, Elvis knew what, you know, that that he, that he could always get a crowd excited by, you know, doing, uh, you know, doing his, uh, you know, shaking his hips or whatever it was that he did. But um, but he and he also knew how to hide his flaws. Uh, people didn't understand why he always had his collar up. They thought he was just trying to be cool. But it was because he had an unusually long neck. And uh, he just wanted to. He he felt embarrassed or, or uh, by his neck, so he he popped his collar, and then it became something that uh, you know it became something that other people imitated. But really, the reason he did it was out of his own self consciousness. Now imagine if Elvis had had a handler who said, "Hey, put that collar down." Hey. You know, well, they, I guess they tried to tell him not to shake his hips. But, uh, but you know, the fact of the matter is that if, you're, if, you're, if you know yourself, you better know yourself before you become a candidate because people are going to try to put you in, a, in some kind of a, a weird straitjacket. And, if, and if, you're not, if you don't know yourself well enough and you're not confident enough in yourself to say, no, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm going to do this my way. I'm going to, you know, the, these are the, uh, you know, this is the way um, – you know, the, the, this is the parameters for this town hall meeting or this uh, this debate that I that I'm going to agree to. I'm not just going to stand in one spot like you tell me to and answer, uh, you know, totally absurd, ridiculous questions. And, and I think that's true. In fact, the Granite State Patriot Liberty Pack here in New Hampshire put on a series, a short series of semi Lincoln Douglas debates where two of the candidates would sit down, be asked the questions and uh, just let them go. Sure. Five, 10, 15 minutes to get the answers to the questions. And I thought that was more of what conservatives want to see from Republicans Mm -hmm. because it wasn't just a 30-second soundbite or the one-minute soundbite or the food fight that we caught some of uh, the moderators doing, John King from CNN and Josh McKelvin from here, uh, local WMUR. They were actually caught afterwards by a couple of Tea Party folks saying, hey, we almost got that food fight started, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And they're not there to help the Republicans. They're not there to help the uh, candidates. They're there to help themselves. And we all know that there is the bias in the media. So, yeah, Republicans have got to smarten up and say, look, if we're going to do this, 
do like we did in, with Jim DeMint down in South Carolina right. in that debate. Yeah, and we, we saw George Snuffleupagus there uh, <laughs> uh, really go crazy uh, with that right. whole, you know. Uh, you know what? Thank you for bringing <laughs> that up, Warner. Hey, Skip, if I could ask you to just hang on one more segment. Um, I'd like to talk to you about this whole Lincoln-Douglas debate style, uh, and we'll do that when we come back after this. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. This is President Barack Obama. You have reached the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, please leave a message, and William J. Kelly will be happy to return your call tomorrow. The Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad, and I am William Kelly, and it's uh, it's a, it is truly an honor to be here, and uh, and it, and I feel really bad uh, for PJ O'Rourke, um, and uh, I actually forgot that he was on hold, but uh, but PJ, uh, uh, please stick with us. Um, right now, I'd like to go right back to our our, our guest, our pri- uh, Skip Murphy from GraniteGrock.com. In fact, I'm on GraniteGrock.com. And let me tell you something. There, there are more videos on GraniteGrock.com uh, than there are on the KellyTruthSquad.com. In fact, um, you know, I was looking at the, uh, the Kelly Truth Squad uh, YouTube channel, and uh, all the videos were uh, Kelly, William J. Kelly confronts, you know, Rom. William J. Kelly confronts Durbin. Uh, and I thought, you know what, that, that, it, it might, uh, might give people the wrong impression that I'm just out there confronting people but, uh, for the sake of confronting people. But really what I'm doing is I'm trying to bring the truth out. You know, I, I'm trying to I'm – try, and, and, but in Chicago, you know, if you're a conservative and you ask a question, a legitimate question, then it appears then, – then they portray it as though you are confronting somebody. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and I was just thinking, you know, what, how can I change this perception? Should I just, like, put videos like William J. Kelly, like, uh, uh, hugs, uh, you well, know? Maybe you should just continue going to your anger management classes <laughs> instead of taking it out on these poor Chicago, you know, politicians. <laughs> but, but, you know, the funny thing about it is I'm, I, I, uh, I, I just feel like there's a lot of trouble out there. And I'm just I'm the guy who's just trying to call attention to it. Do you ever feel that? How do what's it what's it like uh, there in New Hampshire, Skip? Uh, do people give you a hard time when you show up with your camera and you and you want to ask a legitimate question that that uh, that the average taxpayer would like to know the answer to? Um, no, not really, because I've I've gotten a reputation where I put up the entire video, sort of like ah. a small version of James O'Keefe. They put up the little stuff and then they put up everything later on. I just put it all up. I see. People know that I'm trying to actually get real answers to real questions. I don't do gotcha type questions. Right. Uh, with no disrespect meant, because I've, I've not seen an awful lot of your work, so sure. I don't know how you go about doing your investigations or reporting. But I'm, I'm curious. For instance, the Constitution is a big deal in here. Yes. In New Hampshire, and I ask questions from that basis. And if you don't know what's going on, then you're going to look embarrassed on the camera. Sure. But I don't do that specifically. How can I get this person to look bad? That's not what I do, and that's not what my readership at right. Rock expects. Well, absolutely. I mean, and, and the fact of the matter is, and, and, and I would love to get your input uh, 
Uh, Skip, if you, when you get a chance, check out the kellytruthsquad.com. Okay. Uh, and check out that YouTube videos. Uh, and, um, and I think you'll see that really what we're doing is simply asking the questions that other people, um, you know, that the reporters in Chicago are just afraid to ask because they don't, uh, they're afraid that they're not going to get the access, uh, you know, if they ask uh, the tough questions. But, but Skip, you, you, thank you so much for contributing to the show this week. And uh, we're going to be back with uh, the Talk of the Town uh, segment, uh, our Talk of the Town segment for the week. And, uh, and uh, thanks again, Skip. Well, we, we hope uh, you'll, uh, you'll come back and uh, join us again. I will, and it's been an honor to be on with you this week. Take care. Bye-bye. Have no fear. The Kelly Truth Squad will be right back after this. And President Barack Obama. In 2012, if I do get kicked out of the White House, I'm counting on William J. Kelly uh, to create a new job for me uh, hosting a TV show on the Truth and Broadcasting Network. Now back to the Kelly Truth Squad on the Truth and Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And um, you know something? I, I've said it before, but I can't say it enough because it's true. And after all, this is the Truth Squad. Uh, we don't just read you the news. We don't just tell you what's happening. We make it happen. And one perfect example of that that occurred this year was with what I believe is was the most important film of the year, Atlas Shrugged, a movie that people have waited their entire lives to see. Minus Mulligan. Who's asking? Someone who knows what it's like to work for himself and not let others feed off the profits of his energy. Who are you? We found a note. What did it say? It said, who is John Galt? railroad accidents in recent history. A Taggart transcontinental freight train has crashed and derailed. I have to get the Rio Norte completely re-railed in nine months, and I'm gambling your new metal can do what you say it can. I'm staking my business on it. Nobody's used rear to metal. Why do we have to be the first? Well, they say you're intractable, you're ruthless, your only goal is to make money. My only goal is to make money. Yeah, but you shouldn't say it. If we're going to bring Reardon down, we should do it from the inside. Obviously, Ayn Rand, Atlas Shrugged, uh, a book that you know all all has influenced you know countless people to 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 really make the most of their lives and and make um, a, you know a true life for themselves. And um, and we were able to bring the movie to Chicago probably the city the the single city in the world that needs it that needs this message more than any anywhere else and we had the world the the chicago opening night gala at the uh the wit hotel and we packed that uh that theater with not only uh you know some of the best people in chicago but also the executive producer of the film harman caslow and harman was great harman uh you know was very gracious he uh answered questions until Literally, the last person <laughs> walked out, and um, and you could tell that this was something that Harmon, um, you know, 
definitely holds very, very dear in his heart, this uh, Ayn Rand and, and Atlas Shrugged. And, and, um, and now all I, all I ever get from all my friends and fans and Facebook and, is uh, uh, when is the sequel? When is part t- uh, two? Because they broke it into three parts. Harmon, are you there? I am here, and it's great to talk to you, William, uh, and uh, be back. Hopefully, speaking with uh, you know some of the people that shared what what a great night that was. Yes, um, sort of in a sense, finally giving birth to a story that that just seems so incredibly you know relevant to you know what's going on, and, and it's interesting because we're getting ready for the uh, the DVD release. We're going to be making a big announcement on September 2nd. I love it. Which, uh, you know, people who are familiar with the book know that, that uh, that's a very uh, in- important date that, that, that actually makes its way into the story. So, um, you know, tune in for what, what we're going to announce on September 2nd. But, you know, John Aglioloro and I were talking uh, you know about the film in, in preparation for making some uh, commentary that'll show up on the DVD, and you know we were talking about like the implosion of the Middle East. Yes. And, and I was just sitting there in uh, in the room before we went in for the interview, and I'm like going, you know, Libya now sort of on its way down, yeah, right. and, and Syria, and it's like, you know, this is stuff that was being written about. You know, the the writers are writing this like in April of 2010. Uh, thinking right. that you know perhaps by 2016, you know when, when which is the time that we set this film, just a little bit, a few you know years off into the future, <laughs> that this stuff might happen. And wow, I mean, all this stuff is happening very, very quickly. Uh, you know, the, the issues of limited government and, and individual liberty just certainly were tested. Yes, uh, you know, back in D.C. when they were sort of trying to figure out what they're going to do with the trillions and trillions of dollars of debt. And people just, you know, finally a few people in Congress just really standing up and saying, you know what, we're just not going to rubber stamp it anymore. We've got to have a plan. We've got to have a workout Yes. Uh, before it gets too crazy. Well, I mean, the, 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 your film could not have come at a better time uh, because – you know, for all for 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 a million reasons, but mostly because there's there's an audience of people now who who are thirsting for this philosophy, this message to yeah, and uh, and 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 eager to share it. You know, I, I think that the DVD and you know the release of the film on DVD is is only going to you know make it even easier now for people to share that message. No, absolutely, and. and... You know, one of the things, first off, for, you know, your listeners not familiar with the book, the book is, yes. you know, literally 1,200 pages. Uh, it was written in 1957. Um, the, the, the hero of the story is a woman, yes. smart, tenacious, hardworking. Uh, she's got, you know, lazy businessmen, uh, bureaucrats thwarting, you know, all of her efforts, and I'm certain not only you know women in in the workplace experience this thing, but but a lot of the business leaders, you know that that uh, are out there trying to create jobs, trying to take advantage of really you know the, what this country was founded on, which was having some sort of opportunity, face a lot of the same things that uh, the hero Dagny Tagner, Taggart was yes. uh, facing, and she was just you know trying to keep her own company um, surviving. But what we've done is uh, we have partnered up with a number of organizations and right. given them an opportunity to release 
a DVD with their content along with the movie. So it's going to be very exciting. Like I said, we're going to have an announcement on the second. Uh, I will I will leak it to you via email so you can talk to it, uh, your listeners, uh, on the second. But Brilliant. Su- suffice it to say that um, we're going to give a lot of a lot of groups whose members and constituents and, and, and people who are interested in what those organizations stand for, who are predisposed really to the story, will be able to not only get to see the first part uh, of the movie, but also will get some uh, interesting content that's unique to that organization and, and, and how the efforts of that organization are relevant to the book and what's going on now. That is so brilliant because not only is it a brilliant marketing and promotion, but it's so relevant and important and and truly you know meaningful. I, it's it's brilliant on every different level. I, I hope that the Truth Squad will be able to partner up with one of these organizations and uh, and get uh, some of these DVDs out to our listeners. Oh yeah, no no doubt. And what's what's interesting is you know one of the groups the uh, the Atlas Society is going to have their 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 content is going to be really showing uh, scenes out of the movie, yes. comparing it to what was actually written in the book and how that is relevant to what's going on today. Um, another organization, FreedomWorks, actually put out a little video during the theatrical release. I think if you probably Google it or look it up on YouTube, people can find it. But it it literally took cuts from the movie ah. and could put cuts of, of people in government, uh, President Obama and, and congressmen, and took their words and how their words nearly were identical oh to some God. of the villains' words. <laughs> that uh, were, were in the movie and, and just kind of the impact. And, and it's, I mean, it's very, very fascinating. And, and you're right. I mean, it's, it's such an honor, uh, you know, to be part of, of a book that has inspired and influenced so many people. A lot of people have wanted the book uh, made into a movie. John Aguilaro, uh, you know, put his own money in it, really sure. in the spirit of individualism, uh, which is totally consistent with the concept of the book. Um, and we are working on uh, the screenplay right now for part two, and our and our aspiration is to have the movie ready uh, for release uh, prior to the elections uh, that'll be occurring in 2012. Thank you. I'm so happy that you that you brought that up uh, because I'm telling you, Harmon, you have no idea how many people literally hound me on Facebook now and at meetings because. You know, I'm, I was so fortunate to have been the host of your of the movie preview in Chicago uh, that uh, whenever I go out to speak now to any group, uh, w- inevitably people will say, "Hey, you know, when will you know when will we see the sequel to Atlas Shrugged?" And um, and I don't want to you know, obviously speak for you, but I but now I will, and now I've got the answer. I'm going to tell them uh, that. Yeah, uh, yeah it, it it's in process. I mean, one of the things that. Uh, you know, the, the movie ends with a cliffhanger. Yes. Um, and so you're kind of left with two choices. Uh, one choice is to, to go out and buy the book and have to, uh, you know, plow through the remaining, um, you know, 850 pages. Or, you know, go uh, go to the restroom and hopefully come back and the theater is going to play the, the second part of the movie. So yes. we're in the middle of a long intermission. Sure. Um <laughs> Yeah, if things go well, 
what, what would be really great for us is to be able to do, uh, have the film finished prior to the various conventions, nominating conventions, so that perhaps we can uh, screen the movie in conjunction with those activities so that uh, you know, people on the left, people on the right, uh, people who, are, you know, who, who embrace you know, what the Constitution of this country stands for, take out of it whatever meaning it is. It, yes. It, at least let's get the debate going. Because well, Harmon, I can tell you, you've definitely gotten the debate going. Thank you for being with us, and we'll have you back real soon. The Kelly Truth Squad, only on the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and this is the part of the show that I like the best. It's the the talk of the town segment, okay? We like to have people like John Challenger uh, from Challenger John and Gray, or John Challenger. It's easy for me to say, Challenger Gray and Christmas. Uh, they are a job placement firm. and But you know what? John can explain it better than I can, clearly. Uh, John, are you there? I am. John. Nice to talk with you. Are you kidding me? Uh, we've wanted to have you on the show for a couple of weeks now. And, uh, and uh, finally, uh, we, we have you on. This is, it couldn't possibly be more important right now for, uh, for you know, I can't even begin to tell you how many people I know who are good people, uh, you know, educated, hardworking, smart, conscientious people who are out of work and just cannot find work. Um, but uh, you hear that all day, every day, right? Well, I do talk with people all day long who are out of work, uh, conducting job searches, finding jobs, uh, but going through the process. And it's not an easy one because uh, you leave your company and uh, you feel like they've rejected you, and then you go out and see everybody, you know, one by one in the search. And they, in fact, they all reject you to the last one. Uh, but the right. last one is what you're working to get at because when you get that, the search is done. There you go. There you go. And, and you know what? And here's the thing I've been, you know, as a result of the show, I go out to all of these events now. Uh, every night of the week, I'm out at, you know, maybe two or three different events. And uh, I'm talking to a much wider variety of people than I, I guess I would typically typically talk to. Normally, you know, the nor the average person, you know, they they talk to their 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 close friends and family, and if they you know if their brother-in-law or or their you know their um, you know their their sister or someone is looking for a job, then you know then they go about trying to help that person find a job. But the more I go out now, and as a result of doing the show and doing the Talk of the Town segments, um, you would be, John, you wouldn't even believe, or I guess you would, you'd be the one person who wouldn't have any trouble believing this at all, the, the number and variety of people who are, who are out of work. Um, what do you attribute this to? Uh, we went through one of the most difficult recessions since the Great Depression, um, there are 13.1 million people, in fact, uh, out of work right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the good news is that that unemployment rate has been dropping uh, since August. So uh, it dropped in August uh, from 9.1% uh, down to 9%. Uh, the following month, uh, yes. then it dropped down to uh, uh, 8.9 in October, 8.7 November, 8.5 now in December. So we are... Um, going through a period here where uh, after 
really two and a half years out of the recession, uh, officially out of the recession, still a jobs recession, we are seeing that people are starting to find jobs again. But it's still, uh, you know, relatively speaking, historically speaking, it's still... Uh, the unemployment is still like just absolutely unacceptable. Wouldn't well, you agree? Very high. In fact, you know, back you know um, uh, before the recession started, uh, unemployment was half what it is now. So um, you know, the uh, number of people, even with these improvements, uh, you know, who are out of work is unacceptable. But it's a slow digging out process. Uh, uh, people should though know that the market seems to be getting better now. Uh, that um, more companies are hiring, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, this is the time to really reinvigorate your search. If you had uh, put it in hold or just felt like no matter what you did, it didn't, see, it just wasn't seeming to uh, you know get any traction. And but yeah, but even yeah. the, these numbers are, are that are coming out of the government are kind of cooked, though, aren't they? I mean, uh, James Pethokoukas, who works at the American Enterprise Institute, had recently written that uh, if we were still following the same jobless numbers from when Obama took office, the same pool of workers, the actual unemployment would be like almost eleven percent right now. You know, I'm not convinced that that's you know that the the numbers are you know cooked. They constantly are trying to get at. I don't think the administration you know uh, drives that. I think they're trying to get at what the truth of the uh, issue is. There are one of the big issues is that uh, there are a lot of underemployed people also. Sure. Uh, so sometimes people you hear people say even though unemployment is eight and a half, uh, you know, uh, underemployment people who are in jobs that uh, aren't really what they want. They might be part time or they're. Uh, uh, looking for better jobs, you know, is uh, nearly double. That, well, that, that would be that. That applies too. to me and Warner, Warner Todd Houston, my uh, co-host here. We, <laughs> um, you know, we, we always say that. We always tell that to each other. We always say, "My God, we're un- uh, underemployed. We we should be uh, we should be prime time on the Fox News Channel." But you are making impact, aren't you? <laughs> well, I, I believe so. I, I, I thank you. Uh, you know what, John? You know what you are. You are an optimist. <laughs> And that's the kind of that that's the kind of spirit that we need to bring back in this country. Uh, what do you tell people who are uh, who who are unemployed or underemployed? What what is the what is the the the, the what is the kind of like the one two three uh, that you uh, that you give uh, uh, these uh, these people who are looking for employment? Well, I'll give you an example. You have to remain positive uh, yes. about the search, and it's very easy to get discouraged. Sure. You hear all this negative job news. Uh, even in the best of a you know economy, job searches are full of that rejection I was talking about. But it's re- important to remember that you know there's a lot more change going on in the economy uh, than the numbers sometimes suggest. Actually, four million jobs change hands basically every month. People go wow. into that many people go into new jobs. The net numbers don't suggest that. Uh, but even in tough economic times like we're in now. Uh, with a, you know, jo- a job market that just has not improved enough, you know, there's always uh, uh, companies that are hiring cause, because people leave. Sure. Uh, they, in fact, one of the interesting stats out there is that the quits rate uh, is going up. More people now are starting to leave their jobs on their own, uh, a sign that maybe the economy uh, is uh, uh, at a point where they feel safer uh, in leaving the jobs uh, they were at. Uh, and that opens jobs uh, then for others uh, as well. 
Absolutely. Now, now Challenger, John, uh, Challenger Gray and Christmas has been around since the 1960s. Um, have you seen? Well, what, we, I mean, obviously, you 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 have an historical or uh, you know uh, institutional knowledge uh, or perspective on how uh, these uh, the economy rises and falls. Um, how, where when's the last time that you've seen an economy like uh, like the economy that we're currently uh, seeing? Well. Almost never, uh, really? in terms of the job standpoint. Back in the early 80s, we had a, a very deep recession, and it hit very deeply here in the Midwest because it was uh, uh, one of those uh, times when uh, the economy was changing from the manufacturing industrial economy, uh, uh, dominated economy, to what it is today, more service-oriented, more technology-oriented. Uh, so there were... Um, tens of thousands of, of manufacturing jobs that were being lost then. So unemployment was very high in the early 80s, uh, just as difficult uh, you know, a, a time as we're in now. I see. Well, um, so now, what is the, the what is the like the best uh, like step for someone to take, and uh, especially in terms of contacting your company? Well, how would uh, how would uh, somebody go about doing that? Well. Um, we don't take people on their own. So, you know, companies, we're, we're hired by companies ah. uh, when people leave as part of a, a service uh, that they uh, get. We did open up our phone lines for two days over the, the holiday. I know you heard about that. Yes, indeed. And we uh, offer um, free support to people, pro, you know, pro bono. Sure. We'll do that again next year between um, for a couple days between Christmas and New Year's, and we've been doing that for a long time. Uh, but the first steps people need to take, you know, are to... Um, uh, certainly you've got to have a resume that's together, but a lot of times people get stuck there thinking that if I just have a good resume and I mail that out or email that out enough, people will find me. Uh, And yet it's just much more of a a, a person-to-person process. So, for example, getting involved with a community service group, really getting engaged in those groups. You can always scale back your activity. is crucial because you really have to be a very public person uh, when you're out of work. Um, uh, and sometimes emotionally, you just as soon you know, uh, do the opposite. Well, John, I, I truly appreciate you being on the show, and um, I've been fired from all the major radio stations in Chicago, so uh, the next time uh, I know that you'll be the first guy I call. And you've I'll landed call. on your feet every time. You know, I have, uh, but uh, you might be getting a call from me soon. Who knows? Yeah, thank you for calling me. Thank you, John. <laughs> Never fear. William J. Kelly is here. More with the Kelly Truth Squad after this. Fearless reporter William J. Kelly has walked the walk, not just talked the talk. And his events are not just talk either. If you want to be part of the best political events, meet national political leaders, share your opinion and have your voice be heard, subscribe today at kellytruthsquad.com. At kellytruthsquad.com, you'll get all the latest news, not just talk events, charity features, and cutting-edge political video. You won't want to miss a thing, so sign up now at kellytruthsquad.com and get your daily dose of William J. Kelly. The Truth and Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and I can tell you right now that this is my favorite part of the show. It's the talk of the town. And that's where we talk to real people uh, about uh, 
their charities, their events, and uh, how they're making a difference. And, and obviously, if you have a charity or an event and you would like to uh, be on Talk of the Town, uh, you can go to uh, the Talk of the Town Facebook page and, uh, and let us know about that. And, of course, uh, we hopefully will uh, also be able to uh, attend your event and take pictures and put the, uh, those pictures up on the Facebook and send those uh, video clips and audio clips out to to all of uh, all of your friends, so that they will also know about your charitable activities and uh, how much fun you have while you're raising money for a good cause. And uh, we have someone on the phone right now who is doing just that. Uh, her name is Valley, and I can honestly say she's the first Valley I've I've, I've ever met before in my life. I've, I don't know anyone with the name Valley. Valley, are you there? I am. I'm here. That's yeah. a very unique name, Valley. Now, is that short for something? No, actually, it was my grandfather's name, and oh. he was named after an evangelist in the South. So. Wow. <laughs> well, you know what? He'd be happy to know that you are still out there uh, trying to do good works, right? I think he would be. I'm and sure that that's where it came from. It's still in your in your blood, in your genes. And right. um, now my understanding is that you have a very big event coming up, uh, my God, uh, just within a week or so. Uh, what, what is, uh, what's the day, uh, what, what is the event? Uh, the event is actually uh, on January 21st. It's a luncheon that will be held at the Signature Room, oh. and it's an afternoon with Regina Taylor, and it's celebrating the special woman in your life, mm -hmm. and it's benefiting the Ovarian Cancer Symptom Awareness Organization. Oh, I see. And uh, now, now uh, tell us a little bit about the organization. Um, the organization, I'm one of the co-founders along with Rick and Susan Roman, and Rick and Susan are the uh, uh, owner-operators of the Signature Oh, Roman of course. Truck. Yes. And Susan is an ovarian cancer survivor. Wow. And um, they had always given so much back to the community. Of course. Um, they have a, a charity of the month program that's been very, very successful. And when Susan was diagnosed, we'd all, we'd worked together for years, and I was uh, worked for a major airline for a while, and we partnered quite a bit with the Signature Room. And um, we decided to do something about um, the uh, silent symptoms of ovarian cancer. Yes. And so we um, did our research. We met with Dr. Julian Schenk from Prentice Women's Hospital. Uh -huh. And what he told us to do was get out there and educate women their families, and the medical community on the silent symptoms of ovarian cancer. So we've sure. been doing that for the last two and a half years. Now, how long has uh, Susan, uh, now you're saying that Susan has, has is a survivor. Yes, she is. Well, yes. so, the, so you're telling me that this is uh, something that uh, can, be, can be beaten. If, uh... Um, be beaten, and the, the key is early detection and to watch for the silent symptoms. Um, family history is very, very important. Okay. Um, but most important is having that very strong dialogue with your doctor. Sure enough. And that's the direction uh, that uh, Dr. Schink has given us, and we share our information, our messages at health fairs. We were at the United Airlines Flight Attendant Domicile. Nice. We were at the Illinois State Vet Veterinary Medical Convention because we have a, a human-animal healing component. Sure. My, do my dog is actually our official therapy dog. So. Oh, <laughs> so, and we have an annual dog walk for ovarian cancer out wow. in St. Charles area. So, um, and we are blessed that Regina Taylor is our national spokesperson, and she will um, we, she'll be reflecting on the special women in her life at the luncheon on sure. January twenty first. 
The 21st. Um, well, you know, I, I, we'd be honored to obviously have our photographer there and take some pictures and put those up uh, on the website and share those with you. And um, now, That would be fantastic. How, now, what is your website? How can people get, uh, uh, get a ticket if, uh, and, um, and share this information with their friends and family on Facebook and, and beyond? It is, our, our website is www.ovariancancersymptomawareness.org. Okay. Got it. And I'm just curious. So, um, you know, we had uh, pause the, uh, the, uh, uh, on, I guess it was last week or the week before. And um, so I, I'm, we're, we definitely want to adopt a dog for the, for the show. That was a big, uh, a big goal of ours now. Um, now, how do, how do uh, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, I, dogs are, are great. I, now, how can a dog, uh, pl- please just explain the, the role of a dog in, uh, in uh, helping someone to uh, recover from, uh, from this, uh, from ovarian cancer? Well, that's a great question. Actually, Rick and Susan and I and my husband are all dog lovers. Of course. My father was a veterinarian, um, and when we started this organization, we wanted to have a a dog component because they're our best friends. They're there for us. And my veterinarian, Dr. Kurt Kleppich, gave me a lot of guidance in um, just if you share this information and you happen to have a dog, People and women are going to open up more if there's a dog around. And what we found is um, women are very shy. They they don't want to talk about their problems, and they're taking sure. care of everybody else except themselves. Right. Um, but we draw them out when we have either my dog at a function or pictures of them. Sure. And they start connecting with us. And we've had, for the last two years, we had the dog walk in uh, on the Great Western Trail in St. Charles. And we oh, wow. had... Uh, dogs for adoption. We partnered with uh, help. We partnered with a greyhound rescue. Really? And we had like 150 people and 50 dogs at our last walk. Outstanding. So it was a great day. <laughs> now, and what's the date of the of the dog walk? Uh, the dog walk will be 2012. It will be, I believe, September 9th. Okay, so we got a little time on that. But uh, now you mentioned the silent symptoms. What what do you want to? Can you give us a, a couple of them so that uh, you know it? Can, so people can start thinking, uh, uh, you know, kind of thinking about that? Yes, I can. And actually, there's symptoms that everybody has every day oh. or can't have every day. Sure. Some of the symptoms are unexplained weight gain, ongoing fatigue, uh, headaches, uh, abnormal discharge, loss of appetite or discomfort after eating. Okay. Um, and, uh, and all of those things when we talk to people sure. and say, well, I have that all the time. Right. But um, the key is if it's persistent, if it is uh-huh. two weeks or more. And yes. if you have, you know when your body's not right. Okay. Um, if there's family history, again, dialogue with your doctor. It's most important um, sure. to connect and also look. And not family history all on the mother's side, but also on the father's side. Of course. Um, people, don't, people don't typically think of that. And, no. and um, I don't know how long ovarian cancer has been, you know, something that has been well documented or, or diagnosed, but it's entirely possible that somebody a couple of generations back may very well have had it, and you just don't know that. Yes, that's exactly right. That's um, exactly right. Sure. The, there is a um, biomarker, a, a blood test called the CA125. Ah. 
okay. that if you uh, have um, those symptoms, if you have a family history, that's certainly something that people should talk to their doctors about. Okay. Um, and if they have a positive sort of a score of above 21, um, there are further testing that can further tests that can be made. But again, it's you know talking to your doctor about it. Well, uh, Valley, you're outstanding. I'm sure your grandfather uh, would be proud of you. I think he would. <laughs> um, and uh, and um, so I, I truly appreciate you going out and uh, promoting a, a very uh, important cause like this. I can honestly say I've, I, I know Rick uh, Roman. Uh, yeah. I knew that that name sounded familiar, yeah. uh, but it was from a number of years ago. I, I produced uh, a show in Chicago called Upscale Chicago. Yeah. So we had an opportunity to do a, a number of events uh, at the Signature Room, and my God, what a perfect place to have your event. Yeah, it's wonderful. We're, it's uh, we're so the, lucky. the top of the Hancock. You've got the most beautiful view, the, the best view of the greatest city in the history of the world, the city of Chicago, and, uh, and uh, great food. Uh, now, do they still have the lunch buffet? Yes, they do. Ah, yes, they do. And, uh, and, and your event is, uh, is, is a luncheon event. Uh, okay. Can you give us the date one more time and how people can uh, get a ticket? Yes, it's January 21st and at the Signature Room, and they can go to our website. We're on the homepage. Um, they can click on Register for this event and go right to our uh, regist registration page. And if people can join us, that's wonderful. If they want to donate to you know, help us, get the word out on the silent symptoms, there's an option to do that as well. Well, God bless you, uh, Valley, and, and thank you for being on Talk of the Town, and um, uh, we'll definitely uh, send a photographer and and grab and, you know snap some great uh, we uh, pictures for your website. Okay, and thank you, thank you so much for allowing us to share some time with you. It means a lot to us. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Mm -hmm. Take care. Bye-bye. Have no fear. The Kelly Truth Squad will be right back after this. I'm President Barack Obama, and I'm here to tell you, whatever you do, do not, and let me be clear, do not listen to the Kelly Truth Squad. The Kelly Truth Squad, only on the Truth in Broadcasting Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And uh, you know what? You can never have too many Talk of the Town segments. <laughs> because you know what? There's, there's, there's a lot a, to talk about. This there, is Chicago. That's we got a lot right. to talk about. And we want to talk about the, the real people, okay? Um, the, you know, the, the, the real Chicago people, people, places, and things, and the, uh, and the events, and the charities, and, and the way that you can help your neighbor, help, uh, help people in need. Okay, because you know we can talk about all of these uh, presidential candidates and all of these you know uh, you know positions on national issues, but if you can't help your neighbor, then what uh, then what are you good for? You know what I mean? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. Um, I, and uh, and we have somebody on the line who who I think would agree with that, who would share that uh, that belief. Um, her name is Sarah, and she is with the Red Cross. Sarah, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, how are you doing, partner? I'm good. How are you guys? Uh, you know, we're very, very good. I'm very happy. I feel like I'm one step closer to taking that CPR class. You, it's definitely something that you should do, and everyone, everyone out there in Chicago should do. I think everyone in Chicago should do that because uh, there's a chance uh, that one day I will drop. Uh, I will just like fall to the ground. 
And the more people who uh, have taken your uh, your uh, your Red Cross, um, you know, CPR class, the greater the odds that uh, that they'll uh, rush over and they will resuscitate me. Absolutely. So, <laughs> so that that that's uh, so you know so so really it's in it's in my interest and in everybody's self interest really if you kind of uh, if you think about it to try to get as many people as uh, as possible in to take that uh, the Red Cross uh, CPR class. Um, now, when uh, how often are they uh, offered? We offer classes um, pretty much all of the time. We offer uh, CPR and AD classes wow. through our community locations. Please um, forgive me. What was the other class? You said CPR and what? CPR and AED. What is we AED? And AED stands for Automated External Defibrillator. Whoa, whoa, it's, whoa. Wait a second here. Hey, Warner, <laughs> have you ever heard of the AED class? Not at all. I okay, so wait a second. Like a, a jet or something. I, I'm know, sitting airplane. here next to Warner Todd Houston. Okay, this is a this is a man who um, I have always who who he he's the kind of guy that when I have a question, when I want to know the answer to something, I immediately think I, I have to call Warner and I have to ask him uh, to give uh, to help me find the answer to this question. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and 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 here's here's the thing, uh, Sarah. You you kind of scared me. You've kind of shaken me to the, my core, my foundation. Okay, um, uh, which uh, it doesn't happen very often. But when it does, let me tell you, Sarah. It's uh, it's usually something that I uh, that uh, that has profound consequences. Okay, yeah. we, we we've got we've gotten to the point here where you just rattle off a, a series of uh, like three three letters, and Warner's never even heard of no, them. Before. Never heard of it. So, uh, so my, could my you, bad knowledge, my lack of knowledge, might kill me. <laughs> never, it, never could kill heard me. of an AED, but so, I bet you've seen it. Well, what is it exactly? Aren't those in Iraq? When you drive over them, they blow up. That would that ah. would that would really be a problem. Let me tell you. <laughs> Hopefully, we won't be seeing any of those in the city of Chicago anytime soon. But, uh, but what? So, what's going on with the? Uh, so, one more time, Sarah. What exactly is this? The AED, or the Automated External Defibrillator, um, uh-huh. is, I bet you've seen it, um, they are at the mall, they're in churches, in schools, in many buildings now, and even some people have them, have purchased them for their house. You know what, you're starting to sound like the Riddler, Sarah, okay? <laughs> now, like, if you came up to me and you said, um, I have, I can, I'm thinking of something that you will find in a mall, a church, you will find it uh, at, uh, you know, and then, you know, you just rattle off like three or four other locations and you asked me what it was, I, uh, I, could, I guarantee you I would not have come up with uh, the AED. I, I would have, I would have, I, my, my first guess would have been people, because you could find people at all those places, but, uh, hmm. but an AED, what, so if you could just, what exactly is it? It is a machine that can be used to, um, to not to restart the heart, but to um, shock the heart into a regular rhythm. So essentially you're talking about a defibrillator. Yes, but so, it's not like the defibrillator you see on TV, on ER, at any okay. of the, on Grey's Anatomy. It's a little bit different. Um, the AED uh, is pretty much designed for anybody to be used. So fact, under what circumstances would somebody need, under what circumstances, you would only use it to save somebody's life, right? You wouldn't just casually yeah. use this uh, this contraption on, uh, on a perfectly healthy person, would you? Nope, absolutely not. It would be any time that you suspect car- a cardiac emergency. Okay, so we're talking heart attack now. Yes. Okay, so you see somebody and you, you think that they are having a heart attack, um, then you want to use this device to, to save their life. Yes. 
Okay, well then, I exactly. got to be honest with you right now. How would I know, as a non as a, as a doctor, as a non-doctor, how would I know if somebody's having a heart attack or if they're having a stroke, or if they, um, or if they're just play acting? You won't. But that's the great thing about the AED. If you come across somebody or you see them go down and they're unconscious, okay, um, and they're you don't think that they're breathing and. Um, you would attach the AED. It's very easy to use. It comes with two pads. You put it on the person's bare chest, and the AED decides whether or not um, it needs to shock the Sarah, person. Sarah, I'm going to tell you something right now. Never in the, in the course of human history has it been so easy to save someone's life. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, yes. You know, yes. we can all, all of us, look back in our collective history, our human history and think about a, a grandfather that died of a heart attack, right? Um, and just imagine now that that grandfather would have lived, uh, God only knows how much longer, if if this technology had been available. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, the AED is actually so easy to use that it was designed a first grader can use it. I see. Okay. Um, so here's, I guess, uh, here's my question to you. Um, do you, there's the CPR class, there's the AED class. Is this, are th- is, these are two separate classes? Nope. You, when you take a CPR class, you also take an AED class. Sarah, okay, now we're talking. Now, um, uh-huh. if you want to become proficient in CPR and AED, um, do, you, uh, do you have to take multiple classes or is it just a one-day class? It is a one-day class wow. for um, an adult CPR and AED class is three and a half hours. Three and a half hours. And, but you three know something? Let me just say this. Think about this for a second. Um, if, and, I, and you don't have to think about it, Sarah, but I mean like mm-hmm. Warner and Maureen and everybody uh, listening at home, think about this for a second. If you want one day, and I would almost go so far as to say, you know, we're all mortal, right? Um, mm-hmm. One day, the people around you that you love and care about, the people that you, that you, uh, that you cherish, the people that you value, uh, uh, one day, one of them is undoubtedly going to fall to the ground in front of you. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Um, and how bad would you feel? How stupid would you feel? How much would you regret that for the rest of your life if you didn't take a three-hour class that could have immediately um, uh, 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 resulted in that person recovering and living uh, years and years and years uh, beyond that, uh, that moment of, of, of crisis, right? Absolutely. How many, there's no no excuse for not taking a class. There, there's zero excuse. In fact, I would almost go so far as to say, you know, people procrastinate all the time. They say, well, you know, I could do this some other day, right? Right. But, um, but honestly, what could possibly be more important than knowing how to save a loved one's life? There's not much more important than that. Yeah. Um, now, here, here's a question for you, Sarah. How many people take these classes? Um... At a time, and we a class can be anywhere from two to twenty people. And how often are they uh, offered? In like, for example, the downtown Chicago area, where I could easily uh, uh, walk to one. Um, I would say at least once a week. Once a week. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then um, I guarantee you, sir. I'm going to make a. I'm going to make a pledge to you right now. Okay. I, William Kelly, will be at the next class, even if it's tonight. Or or early tomorrow morning. 
All right, I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> now, uh, let me ask you this. Well, you know, every time I ask you a question, like three more questions pop into my mind, <laughs> um, which I, I only wish that that was true of all of our guests because let me tell you something. Sometimes it's really like pulling teeth. Let me, you, you know what I'm talking about, Sarah? Yeah, yes. Have you ever <laughs> been in that situation? Where, uh huh. Yeah, it's 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 not good. It's no. uh, in fact, it's ter- it, it's uh, it's downright painful sometimes. But um, uh, I do have a few questions, a few more questions that I do want to ask you. Um, so uh, can we ask you to st- uh, to stay with us, to stick with us here? Sure. For another chat. Okay. Well, I'll uh, tell you what. Uh, we're going to be right back with Sarah from the Red Cross, and we're going to find out how you can join me, William Kelly, in a CPRA uh, class uh, probably sometime tomorrow. Never fear. William J. Kelly is here. More with the Kelly Truth Squad after this. Barack Obama again. Uh, You know, President of the United States. Now, I thought I told you not to listen to the Kelly Truth Squad. What are you doing? The Truth and Broadcasting Radio Network. Now, back to the Kelly Truth Squad. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And uh, Sarah, are you still there? I'm still here. Oh, Sarah, I'm so happy uh, that you're uh, that you're that you stuck with us for another segment <laughs> here because I can honestly tell you that this is, uh, you know, this, this is something that's truly, truly important. And I have to say, I'm embarrassed to say, I've been thinking for quite some time uh, about the importance of taking how how important it is to take a CPR class uh, because you know when you get a little older, you th- you know you you start to think. Uh, you know, hey, uh, you know, I'm watching this Fox News channel. I'm getting, I'm getting all uh, angry and upset. <laughs> and uh, you know, the Sean Hannity guy is working me into a frenzy. And uh, you know, I could, I could keel over. I could just fall over and just, you know, smack uh, my, you know, my head on the, on the, on the, on the floor right here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, um, you know, so, uh, so that's why you know it's important that uh, you got at least one person around you at all times uh, who uh, knows CPR. And um, and who knows? Maybe you might need to be that person for somebody else. Um, mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this: How much does it cost to take a CPR class? Um, our classes start at seventy dollars, okay. and yeah, your certification is good for two years. And do you get a certification card? Yes, you do. Does anything come with that card? Do you get like uh, like a free drink or uh, um, uh, like a uh, like a gift certificate? Can you use that uh, to get like, or at uh, least a free ride to the uh, hospital, right? <laughs> Nope, just just a knowledge you can save somebody's life. That's it. There you go. So, but so you, which you is can, good in itself, right? It, it's a good topic. Uh, it's a it's a conversation starter. You know, you could just like why if you let's just say you're you know uh, you're maybe you're you're a little shy. You're uh, there. You are in the bar or or uh, you know waiting in line at the checkout lane and and you see someone that you know you'd like to maybe strike up a conversation with. You can just pull out that uh, that uh, now. Does it actually say Red Cross on there? American Red Cross, and then it says what your certification is. Oh, my God. I, you know what? I can definitely see how this card could uh, pay dividends. Um, you know, just, uh, uh, you know, just, uh, just think of the conversations that you could start, Warner. Well, the, yeah. the next time they try to kick us out of some public event, we can yes. pick up that card and say, we know CPR. <laughs> And, and they would have to let us in, right? Well, you know, you would think, you would think, and then just, and then if they still try to kick us out, then we can just say, well, then just let it be on your conscience. That's right. If, if somebody, somebody keels over, if somebody exactly. falls to the ground, 
and uh, and then and you kicked out the one person that's actually certified uh, with CPR. Now now what now how are you going to live with yourself? Um, now uh, the defibrillator. Uh, is there any way that um, that we can uh, like how can we go about obtaining a defibrillator uh, for for the for the Kelly Truth Squad? Uh, radio studio here because I got to be honest with you, um, you know, with the election uh, cycle heating up, um, you know, we've got the primary uh, March 20th here in the city of Chicago. Then we're going to have a general election again in November. Um, you know, my heart, uh, I, you know, there, you, you never know when we might just need to, uh, uh, you know, we might need to actually have a defibrillator right here in the studio. We got to work on Maureen Olaflin. If she, Maureen, was, if she was really a good producer, she'd have one here for us now. Well, you know, and Maureen does a good job, and, and I don't, <laughs> I, and I don't want, uh, you know. Here's the thing: I, I, I everyone's a critic. Yeah, I don't want to <laughs> make the mistake, uh, you know. And I've, and I've made this mistake in my life of, uh, you know, of expecting other people. To, uh, have to have a defibrillator. <laughs> and, you know, uh, so you know, so what, what I'm going to do, my New Year's resolution is, I'm just going to I'm just going to be the guy that brings the defibrillator with him. Okay, so where do we, um, where where would we go about getting a defibrillator for the studio? You can get one through the Red Cross, and nice. all you would need to do is call one eight hundred Red Cross. You got to be kidding me! And how much is a defibrillator? Um, they're between fifteen hundred and about two thousand dollars. Wow! So they're not cheap. Okay, and, and you see now here's the thing. Okay, now we're talking about real. Uh, we're talking about people taking the time to make a phone call. They obviously have to register for the class, right? Yes. Do they pre? You can do. Yeah. How how would somebody go about registering for the class? You can call again one eight hundred Red Cross, or you can go online. Ah, so so if you go online, then you probably like click for like the location closest to you, find out the class schedule, and then register right there on the computer. Is that the idea? Yep, exactly. It. Oh, okay. Now you know we we really should note, and 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 we touched on it a, a few minutes ago. Sure, defibrillators don't start your heart. Right. They just correct the rhythm. Okay. So right. if you if you have no heartbeat. Ten defibrillators are not going to bring you back. <laughs> no, but you can keep doing CPR, and that could still save the person's life. Right. There you go. Exactly right. Um, Which is why having the two classes together is yes. important. It's exactly. A, because the because like you know here he, and this is the, this is the truth. I I honestly would not be able to tell if uh, someone fell to the ground in front of me. I wouldn't even know. If they had a heart, if they were having a heart attack, or if they were having a stroke, I wouldn't know the difference. Or if they were just drunk. Or if they were just drunk. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, so that's so. Uh, no, I would know that. I've got plenty no, you, of experience. Experience with that. I can teach that class. Okay, gotcha. Um, but um, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, so let's just go. Let's just say that we take that we register, we take the class, we uh, go ahead and purchase a defibrillator, um, uh, and then. Um, now, would you now? What's the next step? Then, once we've actually gone, you know, done that, which I think is the bare minimum. Okay, here we are. We live in the society now where everybody's, uh, you know, we think we like to think of ourselves as uh, a very advanced civilization. We've made all this great progress. We have all of these apps on our phones, but not, but but there's no app that can actually uh, 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 correct somebody's heartbeat, is there? Or is there? Hey, uh, Sarah, that's a good. Is there an app that could actually save somebody's life if they uh, if they have a heart attack? Not yet. There's okay. no app yet. So there's there's no way that we could actually. There's no app for that. There's, so we can't. <laughs> so we can't. So there's no app 
that like if somebody uh, for example has a heart attack and and we need to reset their heart uh, that's not going to work right Mm, no. There may be an 80. app to find the nearest funeral, <laughs> just in case. Exactly. So, so what we absolutely need to do here is just tell people, okay, look, this is, uh, you know, don't, uh, you know, don't think that you're so that 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 we've progressed so much as as a society that that you can take something like CPR f- uh, for granted. That 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 somehow we can that uh, that. You know, because I, I, I really believe that maybe a lot of people in this day and age, and correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm just imagining things here, but I think a lot of people just imagine that the day, you know, you know, the day where the day and age where people uh, could literally just die, where somebody could actually just die in front of you at a public event uh, due to, you know, the the lack of training uh, for, on CPR, uh, that those days are over. That that somehow. Um, you know, so there will there will be this, uh, uh, you know, that uh, that emergency workers will be there within, you know, with. I mean, how, how many minutes does it take for someone who who suffers from some kind of uh, a stroke or a, or a heart attack? How long does it take for them to suffer, uh, you know, uh, irreversible damage, brain damage or otherwise, if uh, if somebody's not there to start the CPR? Um, just minutes. With every minute that care is delayed, the damage gets worse. Wow. Okay, so, um, all right, well then, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'm going to bring my, the entire staff of the Kelly Truth Squad uh, to, uh, to, the, uh, to the Red Cross. And uh, we'll, we might even, uh, you know, obviously with your permission, we'll clear this with you first. We might even do an instructional video ourselves because, uh, you know, I have a production company. It's an Emmy Award-winning production company, okay, Sarah? And, uh, and uh, so what we're going to do is we might just put together the Kelly Truth Squad, uh, you know, uh, instructional video for Kelly uh, for defibrillator CPR. squad that's what there you go there you go <laughs> and you know what maybe what we might want to do is uh, work out a deal with the Red Cross maybe if we could get these defibrillators in bulk and uh, we could go. give them away uh, to uh, you know we could give them away on the air there to callers go. instead of you know these these silly books uh, you know these publishers they keep sending us uh, Sarah uh, you know, I have like uh, I've got uh, like uh, 200 copies of Donald Trump's book um, uh, I, um, I, I can't give this thing away. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you right now, it ain't going to save anybody's life. That's for damn sure. Not even going to give you good hair care. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this guy. You know, I mean, Donald Trump, I, you know what? I guarantee you he travels with a defibrillator, a man he like that. probably does. You know, he calls the, him his wife. Have you <laughs> seen some of these women? Don't get my heart started. Yahoo. Yowza. Yowza. Yeah, uh, Malena, I think is her name. Milena, yeah. Um, well, that's his. That's his wife's name, Milena. That, that could be. Yeah, she's an Eastern European. I'm not familiar. But uh, so, so here's the bottom line, uh, Sarah. Uh, I truly appreciate the the work that you guys do. I know that there are other classes and there are other opportunities to volunteer, but um, but I don't want to give people too many things to do all at once. Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I've discovered in my life. That uh, you know, I'm always thinking like five five moves ahead. Okay, uh, this ain't tic tac toe. This ain't checkers. This is this isn't even chess. This is like one of those multi level chess boards. Okay, that's the way my brain works, Sarah. And uh, so I'm always like four or five uh, moves ahead. And the problem is that like I, you know, I'll say to somebody, hey, you know, I've got a couple of things I, I need to talk to you about. Do you have a piece of paper and a pen? And uh, and then they'll just look at me like I'm crazy. But uh, but, you know, but, you know, the truth is that you don't want to give people a number of things to do because then uh, they get overwhelmed and then they don't do anything. 
So uh, you just give them one simple, easy task. And so I'm going to do it right now, right here on the Kelly True Squad, on the, live on the radio. Call the 800 number. Sarah, what is it? 1-800-RED-CROSS. 1-800-RED-CROSS. Sign up for your, uh, your CPR class. Meet me there, William, uh, William Kelly. Uh, tell them William Kelly sent you, why don't you? And, uh, and, then, uh, and, then, uh, and then we'll have you on the, on, uh, the Kelly True Squad. Thank you, Sarah, uh, for being with us. Right on, America. More with the Kelly Truth Squad coming your way next. Okay, it's Barack again. And I see that you're still listening to the Kelly Truth Squad on the Truth and Broadcasting Network. Yeah, thanks a lot, folks. The Kelly Truth Squad, your alternative resistance news source. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly. And uh, you know what? The Talk of the Town segments are, are my favorite because we talk to real people who are actually out making a difference in their community. And if you look at any of the self-help books, you look at any of the, the, the world religions or philosophies, you realize that they all have one thing in common, which is what is really spooky about it. Um, and that is... They want that your money. <laughs> they all want your <laughs> money. <laughs> oh! Sorry. Warner. <laughs> Sorry. Warner there I am Todd, being negative again, right? Warner Todd oh, uh, Houston, uh, our, our, uh, our, our social media uh, guru here, he is, um, he is the go-to guy. Uh, and you know what? And and he and and he he knows uh, the truth, and that's why we have him here, um, because he knows the truth. He's not afraid to say it. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth. Jeez, you scared the hell out of me there for a second. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, we got another guy who uh, who is he's in the community. He's making a difference, and he knows the truth. And uh, and um, I don't know how much of it he can share on the radio with us, but uh, but I'm certainly w- uh, e- uh, very very honored and, and pleased to have him, Miguel from uh, the Guardian Angels. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Oh, Miguel, are you kidding me? I, I we couldn't thank you enough for for what you do and and the spirit. Uh, you know, talk about talk about you know spirit. You're obviously guided by uh, a spirit of service and wanting to help, uh, you know, people. Um, tell us a little bit about the Guardian Angels. I would say most people have heard of them. Um, I don't know uh, if there's still any people out there who haven't or have misunderstandings. Or uh, what, what, what would uh, what would you tell uh, someone who doesn't know anything about the Guardian Angels? What would you? Wh- how would you describe it? Yeah, many well, many may not even know that there's uh, Guardian right. Angels here in Chicago. Exactly, exactly right. right. Well, the Guardian Angels is a volunteer organization that started by a man named Curtis Lewa in New York City in 1979. Mm-hmm. We're the men and women who wear the red berets and the white T-shirts who patrol mass transit, whether it's bus, subway, or streets. We're a visible crime deterrent, which is why we wear the uniforms. Uh, we, we become positive role models, and we get involved when we see serious crimes being committed, and we sure. make citizens arrest when we need to. That's pretty much what the Guardian Angels do. Uh, and we've been doing it for 32 years. Uh, and um, can I uh, can uh, can I hire you to just uh, hang around my my house? Just no, to... actually, yeah, <laughs> uh, we don't do personal security no. bodyguard work. Uh, what we do, especially here in, in the city of Chicago, is uh, we patrol the, the CTA train systems, and we go from train station to train station via the CTA subway and elevated uh, trains. So you really are a completely autonomous group. Uh, you're not, uh, uh, you know, you're not. Uh, you know, people can't hire you 
Um, and, and I guess that's a good thing because that means they can't fire you, right? <laughs> Correct. Um, we, don't, we don't work for anybody. We don't uh, work for the government. We don't work for politicians. Uh, we don't work for law enforcement. We do work with them in conjunction, sure. obviously, by being out there and being part of the solution as opposed to being part of the problem. Sure. But um, regarding those control, where they go and what they do in all chapters all around the world. Now, what are some of the, uh, you know, I'm sure that when the Guardian Angels first showed up, uh, right away, it, you know, it was one of those situations where you just assumed that everybody was going to be happy to see you and thank you and pat you on the back. But I would imagine you probably got a little blowback from local governments that uh, that saw you as nothing but uh, potential troublemakers for them. Exactly. And then uh, when the group first started in Chicago in 1981, uh, the mayor at the time was Jane Byrne. The mm -hmm. police superintendent was Breziak. They actually uh, told Curtis Lewald, the founder of the group, when he came to set up chapter here that they were going to arrest the guardian angels um what? obviously um they threatened the guardian angels several guardian angels and curtis himself has been arrested 76 times in organizing and starting chapters not only obviously in chicago but in new york and in other cities detroit the mayor and the police chief threw him in jail and it's something that the group had to endure for the first 13 15 years in some cases here in the city of chicago um, we don't have any working relationship with the police or with politicians or even with the CTA. But, you know, that's never been uh, our main motivation. Our motivation is just to go out there and provide a service free sure. of charge and to get people, young and old, black and white, guys and girls, involved in doing something positive and being proactive. Exactly right. And um, so I, maybe, you know, I guess, you know, you, sometimes you have to and, and I, uh, look at things from other people's perspective and imagine what the, could possibly be going through their minds. And, you know, initially the first thought is, you know, why would there, there's no good reason why the city of Chicago or the police would wouldn't welcome, uh, you know, uh, people, you know, any any uh, individual or group walking around with the mentality of wanting to uh, be alert to possibly uh, stopping a crime. Well, I can tell you, you know, my, my father was a policeman for most okay. of my adult life. Ah. Uh, he recently retired. Um, he was a chief of a south side uh, of Chicago uh, town, also wow. Illinois, oh, sure. for many years. Okay. And, and I can tell you that uh, through, you know, having talked to him about many things over the years, uh, sure. a lot of these police departments are very jealous of their territory, you know. Oh. So I can understand how they, how some police agencies might uh, have an eyebrow raised about a group like the, the Guardian Angels, especially early when it first started and not sure. a lot of people were familiar with it. Yeah. Uh, they were, you know, worried about if these guys were going to be vigilantes and all that ah, kind of stuff. But Of course. But, I mean, uh, 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 Miguel can speak to this, that uh, they've really earned their legitimacy over the years, right, Miguel? Oh, of course. And, and you also, uh, adding on to that, keep in mind that when the group first started, even in some chapters like Chicago, majority of the members were black and Hispanics coming from low income and from poor neighborhoods. The police officers, nine to five every day when they're out on the beat, are arresting these young blacks and Hispanics from these neighborhoods. So when you see a group of black and Hispanics coming from these same neighborhoods, going out there, volunteering with no pay to risk their lives, to go out there, to be positive role models for the community, people, not only police officers, but people are like, oh, wait a minute, this got to be too good to be true. Right. You know, how can mm -hmm. these same people from these same neighborhoods be doing something good? It's got to be something wrong. 
you know, there's something ulterior motive. But then over the years, they've seen, okay, well, you know, we've been able to get good people from these bad neighborhoods sure. to do good things. Sure. And then over the years, and obviously, even here in Chicago, there's a lot of work to be done with the police and the CTAs and stuff. Like I said earlier, we don't have a working relationship, but for the most part, the men and women out on the street, they see us. For the most part, they thank us, they honk the horn, they say hi. Sometimes sure. they stop to talk with us because it's through the years that they've seen, okay, well, you know what? These guardian angels know what they're doing. They're not out there. It's not about turf. We're not trying to do, nor could we ever do, nor will we ever do what the police officers do. We're just an extra set of eyes and ears. But for the most part, we're a deterrent, which is why we wear a uniform, so that when a yes. group of individuals or an individual who's trying to commit a crime sees a group of guardian angels or guardian angels, they'll think twice. And if they don't, and if we need to, we'll get involved and detain the, someone sure. verbally or physically until the police arrive, and we also make... Uh, excellent witnesses, and obviously of we help the police officers in any way possible. But in no way will we ever replace the police. What, 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 kind of, what kind of training do you guys go through for that then, Miguel? Well, in, in order to be a member, it usually takes three months of going out on patrol twice a week for a four-hour patrol and attend physical training, self-defense training for one hour every week for three months. Then obviously, once you graduate, you still have to train. So whether you're in the group a year or 10 years, you still continue to train. And we basically train what's going to help you out in the streets. The fancy kicks, the fancy moves, backflips, and all that. We say that for the movies. That only works in the movies. On the street, on the trains, you need to get into the situation. And again, for the most part, like I said earlier, we try to defuse the situation. And if we can verbally detain you, in other words, tell you, hey, stand by and wait here till the police come or even surround you by working in the groups of four or more per patrol, then that's fine. But if we have to get physical, then we need to get physical. We do what we need to do and detain you with the least amount of force as possible until the police arrive. Now, now we're, and, and just in terms of the physical training, and then obviously I'm sure that you also have to undergo some, some legal training so that you can instruct your uh, you know your members what they can do you know within the law um, what is the what is the physical training I mean do you train at a particular gym do you have a, a do you have a trainer uh, or or do you do all that in-house uh, we actually do it in-house but we have several trainers and obviously we've been in Chicago for 30 years sure I've been in the group for 23 years I'm one of the trainers one of the instructors nice. we teach a variety of things that we need to, to, to do while we're out there um, obviously, arrest procedures, if we need to apply handcuffs, how to properly apply handcuffs. Sure. If we need to detain somebody, how to properly hold somebody, how to properly detain somebody. And obviously, conditioning, we let people know, obviously, you got to do X, Y, Z. But at the same time, we encourage people, if they go to the gym, if they go to martial arts class throughout the week on their own time, that's obviously going to benefit them and in turn benefit the group. But for the most part, we teach a lot of hand-to-hand stuff that's going to help you when you're out. I have a question about that. If uh, Can you stick with us for another segment? Sure. Perfect. We'll be right back. The Kelly Truth Squad, your alternative resistance news source. Welcome back to the Kelly Truth Squad. I am William Kelly, and uh, we're uh, wrapping up another great show. Uh, the Kelly Truth Squad, and thank you, Warner, obviously for being here, Warner Todd Houston, and and uh, everything that you do. We we've got um, some uh, we've got someone on the line. Oh, uh, Miguel, are you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Miguel with the uh, the Guardian Angels, and uh, and then, you know talk about a, a group that you know that's an all volunteer. Did did are there any paid staff? 
No, nobody's uh, paid individual. Now, um, so so that means that you have a job outside of the Guardian Angels. Yes. In order to become one, you either have to work or go to school. And obviously, in these last couple of years with employment, you obviously have to be seeking some type of employment because we know a lot of our members throughout sure. the last couple of years have lost their jobs. And, you know, we can't say, well, you can't be a Guardian Angel. Well, obviously, you can probably have a little bit more time now to help us out, but they have to seek, be actively seeking employment. Wow. You know what? That That's really... That's really uh... That, that that's really interesting. Now we were just talking about your training. You know, Warner asked you um, about the the actual uh, physical training. What? Um, uh, what I'm, I'm curious. What do do you do? You have to go through any legal training so that you know kind of what the parameters are in terms of detaining people and and whatnot. Sure. Um, unlike most, uh, well, I wouldn't say most uh, other. Uh, community patrol groups because we're pretty much the only ones that actually go out there and physically intervene if we have to. Um, part of the training in the three months, and I, even as long as you're a guardian angel, is learning what we can do by law and what we can't do. We're not police officers, so certain ordinances that are against the law, for instance, loitering, littering, right. urinating, you, those are crimes, but we are not the police, so we can't enforce that, you know? So let me ask you this. So, I mean, like, you are essentially are playing by the exact same legal parameters than and, and, than a private citizen. Yeah, and that's what we do. You don't have any, you don't have, you're not even, like, some gray area between the nope. police or, or the private citizen. You're, you're just a straight-up private citizen when it comes to uh, detaining people. Well, then why don't you tell, uh, tell us, you know, right now, what can, what, what do, you, obviously, what do you train the, guard, the angels to do? And what, uh, what can we do as regular citizens if, you know, if that situation ever occurs? And I think it will probably occur at least once in your lifetime. I know it's occurred once uh, or, or twice in my lifetime where you're actually out on the street and you see a crime in progress what can you do as a as a private citizen, uh, where you you can hopefully help a, an innocent victim without actually becoming uh, a perpetrator of a crime yourself? Well, if you if you know what you're doing and you're physically capable of handling the situation, obviously if there's a gun or a knife involved, you don't want to play you know superhero and jump in because you or the victim or somebody can get seriously hurt. But if you're in a position to stop the crime in progress, and obviously we would encourage that. But if you're not and you don't have the proper training, uh, the best thing to do is try to alert somebody where, say, you're on a CTA, you want to alert one of the employees, sure. call 911. Everybody now has a cell phone. Uh, at the same time, you can t take your cell phone out, and, and if you're trying to verbally distract or yell at the, the, the suspect or suspects, Take video with your phone. Take sure. pictures with your phone because a lot of times you may think you remember what the individual or individuals were wearing or looking yes. or how they were dressed. But when it comes time when the police get there and you're nervous and you're shocked and you, 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 everything's going on in a split second, you don't know. But if you take Extremely pictures and important. videos, it's a perfect way to help the police. No, yeah, not to mention the fact that you could give a perfect description of a potential offender, but that doesn't, that's not necessarily even going to do the trick for the police officer uh, because, um, you know, they, you know, if you, if you gave a perfect, you know, detailed description, uh, unless, you know, like uh, you were actually like describing a tattoo that the person had on their right. forehead or something, you know, but, uh, but I mean, if you gave like a perfect des description of a, of a, of an, any, you know, uh, more or less average looking person, 
that doesn't mean that the police officer, that, that person could walk right past the police officer and they, exactly. would, they would know. So Apparently you're right. expecting Mike Tyson to always be crimes around your <laughs> well, exactly. and, 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 your and, face, you know? And, and, we teach, and we teach people, like, if you're going to give a description, start from the feet down. When we say the feet down, most people wear whatever gym shoes or footwear. They don't walk around with a second pair. Most of everybody mm. wears dark pants or blue jeans, okay? Yes. And the, color, the top is usually a black top or a white top. Well, these criminals who do this for a living, they know that, and they have different change of clothes just like we do, and they'll wow. wear a different color shirt or a jacket or a sweater. They commit a crime. They stash the sweater somewhere else. They throw it in the garbage, and now they're walking around with a wet, wet sweater or a red shirt, and See, you walk Miguel, right by the police officer. That, that's, yeah. a, that's an excellent point, and that just goes to show that your years of experience uh, that's not the kind of thing that the average person just picks up uh, without giving consider, you know, some some focused thought. Uh, is there a website? What, what, how do people get involved with the Guardian Angels if, they, if they're if really inclined to do something like that? They can go to our website, guardianangels.org, and it'll give you a list of all the chapters all over the world and links to everything you need and contact phone numbers and emails. Do you, is there like a regular meeting? Uh, like, let's just say, for example, I wanted to come and just check it out, sit in on your training. Uh, you know, uh, uh, would um, would I be able to do that? No. Um, what ends up happening, if you want to become a member, first, we obviously, you'll speak with me. Okay. I'll interview you over the phone. Sure. And then once I feel you're qualified, I'll interview you in person. Then if you feel you, you pass the interview and you go through the background checks, then you begin three months of training. And when you begin your three months of training, you go out on patrol with myself and some of the top leaders all the time for your first maybe five, six patrols. And after that, it usually takes three months to become an official member. So well, by I'm going to tell time, you something. We, we, I know for a fact we're running out of time now. I, I definitely want to have you back. I want to figure out a way that we can help the Angels, like maybe donate uh, t some T-shirts or caps to, to, the, to your organization, because I know you obviously have costs involved. Right. So maybe we can do something like that. But uh, until, uh, until next time, thanks for uh, being on the show, Miguel. Oh, thanks for having me. All right, take care, brother. I am William Kelly, and uh, hey, Warner, thanks thanks again for being here, brother. Always great, always great. God and this you. was a quick two hours, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, very, very quick crazy. two hours. And and Warner Todd Houston, uh, a, 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 a real genuine guy. Publiusforum.com. If uh, if you've never been there, you gotta you gotta check that out and and save that uh, on your iPod, and so you can click on it uh, with a great regularity. PrairieStateReport.us. Right, that's my uh, Illinois centric website where all the conserva conservative Illinois news is up there. There you go. And um, and uh, I, I know I go there and I, I, I look for my name all the time. <laughs> so I, I, I truly appreciate you being here, brother. God bless you. And Maureen, the legendary Maureen O'Laughlin is, uh, is here. Uh, and um, and uh, we'll be back next week with more of the Kelly Truth Squad because it's never too early to start tainting the jury pool. Star Wonder Woman and you wonder